Hello there and welcome to Movie Go Round, the film podcast that rotates between different themes every week on a five-week schedule. This week's theme is Around the World. Hello, everybody. My name is Brett Stewart. Joining me for Around the World, the person who chose this wonderful movie, Nicole Davis. How are you? I'm great, Brett. Ask me how many times I have seen this movie since July 1st when I first watched it. Okay, so so peek behind the curtain. That's 17 days. How many times have you seen this movie in 17 days? Five! Five, Brett! That's, That's like so 50 many times. hours. Is there is there even a time in 17 days to watch this movie five times? Times two and three words, same day. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god okay all right uh david luzader how are you oh i am um doing well you know i feel bad we got a three-hour movie here obviously there's a lot to talk about politically and symbolism wise but i'm sorry all i'm capable of talking about is the dance scene at the party and that's all i will talk about for the entirety <laughs> of this yeah. podcast yeah, we're gonna we're actually gonna cut the rest of the the discussion topics and just yeah. hone in for the next hour and change on that single dance That's scene. All I want to talk about. <laughs> There's enough to unpack there. I do want to reemphasize to everybody before you know before we get started. If you have not seen this movie, go watch this movie. Go watch if at all possible. If like your revi- local revival theater is showing like one show, go <laughs> see it in the theater with other people. With your mask on because the Omicron's going nuts again. But I would absolutely say that you get more enjoyment out of it when some of the action sequences are a surprise. And I, and I will say, if you're not going to watch this, if you don't get a chance to watch this in a theater, if you're watching at home, it is three hours, which we will talk about. I think there's a really good point about halfway into the movie when uh, when a certain person, uh, let's say... There's like three climaxes. I don't want to get too far into it now. <laughs> yes. Oh, it ends like seven times. Yeah, but there there is a a certain point uh, where a certain character fails at a certain task that you would know if you watch the movie, and you can pause there if you like don't have three hours. Like that's a good like halfway. Like and you can come back later. It's like it's like the sequel then starts. No kidding. It literally goes to a graphic of. <laughs> that's like yeah. from the titles. So you know that's the intermission point. That's where you pause. Right, exactly. That's that's where you walk out. Yeah, yes. and then come back later for part two. <laughs> exactly. Exactly right. Yeah. I, I mean, also, I would say for this particular film, if you have not watched it, then the next hour is going to be a complete fever dream for you <laughs> and us lis- trying to listen to us explain this movie. So do yourself that We're favor. We're not even going to have chance to to explain. I mean, there's so much to dig into with this film that, yeah, you'll, you'll have you'll, you'll have zero context. It's a fever dream to watch. Yes. So uh, let's let's dive right into that. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. I introduced the movie. <laughs> First, I haven't even introduced it. And I haven't introduced next week's movie. Next week is a You Did This to Us. It came in as a tie. I had to reach out to someone who I know listens to the show and I know hadn't voted yet to get them to break the tie for us. It was between Spice World and Dirty Dancing. That could have gone two very different directions. Uh, we are watching Dirty Dancing. Yay! So that is next week on the show. I have not seen Dirty Dancing. I don't believe it's regarded as being bad, though. It's cheesy, but it's not bad. To me, I think of it in the same echelon as like Footloose. Like yeah. it's that thing from our childhood Kinda. where people dance and we like it. Yeah, there's some very interesting now again oddly current commentary mm-hmm. in the film that will be interesting okay. for us to talk about. 
Yeah, um, I don't know how much of that there would have been in Spice World, but I'm sure we'll <laughs> I'm sure we'll get back around to that at some point. But in the meantime, we did watch R R R this week. It came out this year. The fictionalized action and drama-packed story of Indian historical figures Kumar Rambeem and Aluri Ramaraju, both active in the 1920s. Highly fictionalized, I would hope. Unless these men yes. were the coolest men alive. The two men never actually met in real they life. They never met. Um, yeah, and they they were superheroes in this film. Like, let's, let's make this clear. This is a superhero yeah. oh, movie. Oh, my God, yeah. It's absolutely a superhero movie. 100%. There is an action sequence toward the end, at which point Beam just picks up a motorcycle and starts (laughs) whipping it around like Thor's hammer. (laughs) He uses it as a weapon. Awesome. To beat people up with a motorcycle. Yeah. I love it so much. Yeah. Oh, my God. And there's like men single-handedly like jumping in midair, punching tigers. Uh, Oh, the animals. There's there's so much going on. So. Let's just well, we'll break it down one by one on our scorecard here. Hold on, with the with the animals, I want to point out because the film has a disclaimer at the beginning that is like, yeah. no animals like a lot of animal violence in this movie. No animals were hurt. Don't worry, they're all CGI, and I appreciate that. But I also want to say, I would have figured that out. I would have. Oh yeah, <laughs> I would have oh, realized. Yeah. It's not perfect CGI. No. no, but there's a lot. There's a lot no, of and, it, the- and, it, and it's serviceable. It's serviceable. It is fine. I was glad that they had that just because that way you don't worry at all for like the animals that look really good and there are a few you don't worry about their safety in the process of making this yeah no 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 it's a good disclaimer to have i I would agree and and yes david is right like for for a movie that was made for the equivalent of 68 million dollars it's very serviceable cgi at times and there are times Mm -hmm. when it's shockingly good i would argue the tiger's really convincing uh and then there's some times where it is not not great it it works for the movie <laughs> uh the, the the antelope comes to mind where oh. he where he like picks up an antelope and like uses its horns to stab somebody during like the, <laughs> <laughs> during the first climax of the film and when he picks it up the antelope for like a solid two seconds turns green <laughs> like they forgot to finish the cg in that moment of the film oh i missed so, that somehow yeah, there, there's some stuff going on with the animals. But first of all, what does RRR even stand for? They do tell you at the beginning of the movie. It depends also on the market. Yes. Well, yeah, that's the English version of it. Uh, originally, it's Rudram Ranam Rudiram, which okay. translates loosely to ferocity, death, blood. That tracks. <laughs> but the English title is Rise, Roar, Revolt, which is also right. appropriate. Mm-hmm. But it turns out that uh, or at least the story goes that RRR was the working title of the movie for a long oh, time yes, I'd because heard this, yeah. the director's name is Rajamuli, and then the two actors are Rama Rao and Ramcharan. So ah, NT okay. Rama Rao, but that's the actor names. So gotcha. Interesting. Okay. Well, yeah, it's it's easy to find on Netflix if you want to start. It, it is on Netflix yeah, sure for is. all of our listeners. We haven't mentioned that. <laughs> yeah. Only in Hindi, however. Yes. I, well, it's originally in Telugu. It's available on 
Z5 if you want to subscribe to an Indian streaming service. There you it's go. It's available there. A good chunk of the film is also in English because there are a number of white people in here. Yes, there are. Yeah, and there are a number of, of, of Indian actors that, that do speak English throughout the film or do that thing that you see in Bollywood sometimes where they speak like half English, half Hindi, or, or in this case, you said it was in Telugu was the original? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So are they... Question and Nicole, you probably know this because you've seen this a million times now. Yes. Uh, are are all the overdubs that are done in Hindi are are any of them by the original actor? Are they yes. are they multilingual? As far as I know, I'm I'm not sure if all of the dubs are done by the original actors, but the Hindi version was done by the original two actors. So okay, those cool. are their voices speaking. Oh man, because the guy that plays Rom has just just a, such a surly, deep voice oh. that is yeah, it's a lot of that. Edward, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, and and you know, David, you put in here, holy ADR, Batman, uh, <laughs> yeah, which yeah is very much the case. Every single line is ADR, and you know, there's reasons for that, and that's and that's fine. Once you get used to it, it's totally fine. But there are some times where I'm like, the volume of that and the way your lips moved or the emotions like don't quite match up. Particularly in singing, the singing ADR, when you watch closely, is a little odd. <laughs> well, that's because on screen, they're lip syncing to the Telugu version. Mm. But the song you're hearing is in Hindi. Oh, that's interesting. There are actually two different versions of the soundtrack at least two you actually have to look them up separately oh. because Interesting. the music is by mm kirvani at least that's the name that he uses in telugu his professional name in hindi is mm cream and you have to look for each one of those separate artists to find the separate versions of the soundtrack so some of the singers aren't the same Okay, that tracks. That makes a lot more sense in regard in regards to the way they're they're ADR'd within you know the songs. Yeah, and, and it's pretty typical. I know this is not quite Bollywood, but it's like pretty typical for like in Indian films when they're singing that the singing voice is usually someone else, a totally different person. Yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely, for yeah. sure. For it's sure. very rare for it to actually be the actor. Yeah. Yeah, totally makes sense. So let's break this down. Let's start with the players. Nicole, lay it out for us. Who are the okay. players that are that are making up this epic? All right, playing Komram Bean oh, is... And this is not actual folly work. She really does have like six pages of handwritten notes. Oh, I am not... Yeah, these, I've got a bunch. Uh, <laughs> okay, so playing Komram Bean is N.T. Ramarao Jr., who's known colloquially as Junior NTR. He's one of the biggest stars of Telugu cinema. He's the grandson of an actor of the same name, which is why the Junior... Uh, his grandfather was an actor in like hundreds of movies and was also chief minister of the state of Andhra Pradesh for seven years. Sure. And he Ramarao has, Jr. has been doing Kuchipudi dance since childhood. So he is sort of a natural dancer at this point. And uh, interestingly, I thought in his first film, he played Lord Rama in the first movie he was in. Really? Because huh. that will come around later. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> so. Ram Charan was born in Tamil Nadu, but acts primarily in Telugu cinema. He's also a highly paid actor. He's the son. And, and, oh, sorry. Go ahead. And, oh, and an illegally handsome man, but continue. Yes. Yes. I would agree with Is that. this Ram? Yeah. <laughs> yes. 
Okay. Yeah, that's the illegally handsome one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he is the son of actor Chiranjeevi, who is also a politician, a former member of parliament. Hmm. His grandfather was also in a thousand Telugu movies. He oh, was wow. Alu Ramalingai, I think, is a comedian. Wow. So Ramcharan was in Rajamuli's breakthrough movie, Magadira. Ramcharan has his own production company. And owns the Hyderabad Polo and Riding Club Polo Team. I just thought that was interesting. Uh, (laughs) Playing Ram's father in the flashbacks is Ajay Devgan. He is an actor primarily in Hindi-speaking movies. He Previously in his career, he portrayed Bhagat Singh, who is one of the historical figures that pops up in the closing number of the movie, the closing musical number. Alia Bhatt is making her Telugu debut as Sita. Uh, She's been in multiple Hindi films. She's one of the highest paid actresses in India. She's a British citizen of Indian origin. Olivia Morris plays Jenny. This is her first professional acting job. That tracks. She is like fresh out of acting school. (laughs) It was was originally supposed to be, um, oh, and I totally lost this. It was supposed to be someone else, like somebody that people kind of know and uh, dropped out like just before filming. Daisy Edgar Jones is who was supposed to play Jenny. Okay. Twinkle Sharma plays Mali. And isn't that the most charming name you've ever heard? <laughs> that is the most charming name ever. That is true. <laughs> she's an actor and dancer. She's been training since age two. She's competed in several reality shows and then landed like a couple of ads. And that's where the director, Rajamuli, spotted her was in a TV ad. And he said he'd come in and audition for this part. She beat out 160 other girls for the part of Mali. And then we have the director, S.S. <laughs> Rajmuli. Uh, the screenplay is by him. The story is by his father, Vijayendra Prasad. The man who does the music, M.M. Kiravani, is actually his cousin. And the costumes are by his wife, so he likes to keep the family with him when he makes movies. (laughs) Nepotism strikes again. No kidding. Yeah, he has directed three of the top five highest grossing films in India. Good for him. Wow. There's this, and then there was the last two movies he made, Bahubali, The Beginning, and Bahubali 2. Both are also available on Netflix if you want to watch those. Then he's got his fantasy, Magadira, and... I've actually seen one of his other movies called Iga, which is Maki in Hindi, and it's about a man who is murdered and reincarnated as a housefly and gets revenge for his murder as a housefly on the human who murdered him. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> it's banana pants, and it's delightful, but it's a little hard to find, unfortunately. Also to date, uh, Rajamuli's movies were each the most expensive Indian film ever made at the time of its production. <laughs> yeah, I believe that. I was like, oh, it's like James Cameron. And they're willing to throw money at the guy. Uh, Ram's hairstyle changes several times throughout this movie, and I feel like it was probably just because it took them 19 years to make it. Is the only thing I can think of. I because... suspect so. His hair length changes a bit <laughs> over the course of the film. His hair length, his beard. He has, sometimes he's just stashed. Sometimes he's full beard. It's it's a whole thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the beard and the mustache going back and forth. I think is supposed to indicate time passing in the movie. Well, yeah, of course, yeah. For sure. <laughs> the mustache is only his his pseudo bad guy look. Yeah, something that will come up later. Uh, he cites Mel Gibson as a directing influence <laughs> on his movie. Yeah, I got real Passion <laughs> of the Christ vibes. 
uh, from this one. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I want to talk. Yeah. No. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> so the other interesting thing about Rajamouli, and this is what happened with this movie, is he is a pioneer in the pan Indian films movement, where a film is released in multiple Indian languages simultaneously and is made to appeal to audiences of different cultural groups across the country. You know, the model before this is that it's released in one language, and then it usually gets fully remade by a different director and a different cast in a different part of the country. Wow. So this one was made, dubbed, (laughs) and songs were redone in Telugu, Hindi, Malayam, Kannada, and Tamil. So, which are the, they're the biggest language groups in India. India's got dozens yeah. of languages spoken. There's an Indian language group called Canada? Yes, it's K-A-N-N-A-D-A. Wow, okay, the more you know, okay. <laughs> At least in English, that's how it's I, For a second, I thought you were just like, you were mentioning Canada in the middle of all of that, and I was like, wait, <laughs> wait a hot minute. <laughs> right. So, this is a new thing for India to have it released everywhere all at once, so. That's really cool. It's also interesting considering the movie, I I know very, very little about Indian civil history, but to my understanding, this movie probably makes several points that might be contentious in certain parts of a country. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) So, (laughs) I mean, the movie is, you know, the superhero-fying of these civil figures throughout their history. And obviously the British, you know, it takes place in the 1920s and, you know, the British occupation is cartoonishly evil. Right. And. Oh, yeah. Um, Very cartoonish. Yeah. To, which brings me to like one of my discussion topics, which is like, why are why are the Western actors just so bad in this movie? Like <laughs> all of the Englishmen are like they're comically evil. And I know they're written that way, but they're also so poorly acted with the exception of the one guy that shows up in Thor. The head bad guy's OK. Oh, that's that's Ray Stevenson. Uh, he's also I know him best from Rome. But he's been in a bunch of other things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I recognized him from Thor. But my goodness. like I, I just picture the director off camera leaning over and going, bigger! Right, yeah. Do it right? bigger! I think, yeah, I think there's probably <laughs> a difference in acting, like how they've been trained to act, how they've come up in acting. I think so. Versus like now how they're supposed to be doing it here. Also, this is something that I've seen. My fiance watches a lot of K-dramas when they have scenes where people are speaking English, they have them speak it super clearly. And part of that is like kind of because like people who are in the audience who speak other languages, but then like hear English, like if it's spoken kind of a little bit slower and a little more clearly, it's like, oh, okay, like they can follow along very easily. And I'm wondering if maybe that like combined Mm. with everything. Oh, interesting. Yeah, go watch K-pop or not K-pop, K-drama, like English scenes. They're always so like, and here is what we are going to do. Like everyone is just very matter of fact. <laughs> You're right. Maybe that is a, a cultural decision for the characters to be a little over the top. The Western characters. Um, not that everyone in this movie isn't over the top. Wait, hold up. Elsa's in this movie? <laughs> yeah. Elsa from Indiana Jones? And the Last Crusade. Yeah, that's Allison Duty who plays Elsa. I didn't realize. No, wait, wait. Yeah. Wait, the the the, 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 the main bad lady. The governor's wife. The one that buys the child. Yeah. No kidding. Oh my god. I know I god. just I was just okay. looking through and I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> wow. Mind blown. Okay. Yeah. So I I, kind of want to lay out the framework for this movie because we're 20 minutes in and we haven't really talked about what this movie's about, (laughs) which is, you know, you have this 
Oh, right. Oh, my God. The very basis of this is that you have these two lead characters. You have Beam and you have Rom, and they've each set out on different missions, right? Mm -hmm. Rom is convinced that he must bring weapons back to his village, and in order to bring weapons back to his village to give them freedom, give them liberation from the British, he is going to have to infiltrate the the British army and become an officer because officers have the ability to, uh, you know... um, Guard weapon shipments. Cargo different, you know, weapons around the country, right? Um, so he, he will do it anything possible to do this, which means he has to make a lot of very unsavory, horrific decisions to maintain his cover, right? And then on the opposite side of that, you have Beam, who is a lot more idealistic and he's kind of you just want to hug him you just (laughs) like you just feel bad for beam because like the world's being terrible to him and he doesn't seem to understand why for a long time because he's got like the his face is just like it's a little round he's got that big like curly hair just like he looks like you want to just hug him you just want to hug him he's a teddy bear so yeah he he is what they call in the beginning of the movie a shepherd of his flock you know he comes from uh, a small town of folks where uh they have what they call kind of like the shepherd of the town which i suppose would be like their you know, their mayor, their protector, whatever. Yeah, protector. It's a village in the middle of the forest. He's part of the Gond people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and the English come and abduct one of their children, and he is determined to get that child mm-hmm. back. But along the way, he meets Ram, who is searching for him, because the English are told that this shepherd will come and he will fight at any cost to get this child back. And Rom, wanting to impress the British, says, great, I'll go find that guy for you. And then becomes best friends with and him. And along the way, they become the <laughs> bestest of really buddies. Bond. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. Do you want to go do karate in the garage? Yep. Yes. <laughs> the bonding in this movie. The bonding. Well, hold on. I, I want to talk about, real quick, one of the most unintentionally hilarious parts to me of this film, um, which is because, boy, I'm starting to, starting to forget character names, but, but Rama... Um, because he meets someone else who, like, he realizes is connected to the shepherd, but the guy gets away. Oh, that's, yeah, Lachu. Yeah, so he, he gets, like, a, a very, very accurate rendition of him and is showing this around town. Like, we're showing, showing scenes of him showing it around town. And then he's hanging out with Beam, and Beam is like, so who is it you've been looking for? Like, I know this place. I can maybe help you find him. And he's like, oh, yeah, why haven't I asked you? And I'm sitting there like, right. yeah, why haven't you? Why did you go up to your best friend? Like, hey, you seen this guy before? Yeah, yeah. And, and also the photo is, as you mentioned, the, the, the sketch is, uh, is... It's like almost photorealistic. Yeah, it, it was incredibly, yeah, incredibly Yes. Good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, there is... So they, they befriend each other in this absolutely absurd saving yeah. of a oh, child man. from... Oh, it's amazing. That's... <laughs> From impending doom as he is fishing underneath a train car going over a bridge that bursts into flames and is falling into the water. And they must save this child. It's an extremely improbable train derailment. Yeah. Well, so. <laughs> right, right. So they, the, but, and, and we could talk about how they save the child, but, but point is, is they save this kid in the most outlandish way possible. There was, you probably <laughs> could have just swam, but you know, this was cooler. And this touches on, like, they do things in this movie that are so coordinated mm-hmm. that could not be pulled off without careful planning. And they do it all on the fly. And silently. it's like, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, silently. Sometimes <laughs> they will signal each other and the other person just knows exactly what to do. Uh, but it's the things they pull off is like right logic is totally out the window in the action scenes and it's it's all the better for it absolutely absolutely they save this kid with a horse a motorcycle a rope and a flag <laughs> yeah. so- 
Well, the flag is so like, and you don't even know what the flag is until you realize it is because one of them has already anticipated flying into the flames. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he no, he anticipates the other one flying into the flames because right. Rom like dips it into the water and they do a pass off of the child and the flag <laughs> that Beam wraps around himself. Like he's like, oh, he's gonna need this. Like, yeah, the amount of coordination is amazing. Isn't is remarkable? And and then they then they go. And they have a montage, and it's oh, this is I I can't stand this part of the movie just because it's movie. it's like a ten minute montage that's set to like I can tell that we are going to be friends by the White Stripes, and it's like <laughs> and the okay I'll talk about the music separately and how I feel about it, but the the montage goes on forever. It is such a long montage of these guys becoming best buddies. <laughs> well, yeah, and do and they work exercising together, squatting each other. Yeah. Yeah, oh. right. They they one of them rides a horse while the other one rides a motorcycle while the overdub sings about how different they are. Yeah. Yeah, one of them, you know, oh. Ram does his pull-ups and Beam holds Ram on his shoulders while he does squats. And and that will come <laughs> up later. Don't you worry. Yes, it will. That comes back later. Oh, my God. There's so much that gets set up and paid yeah, off it does. in this movie. Yeah, it really does. But I love this much. Yeah. You know, I love it because the songwriting is so broadcasting the rest of the movie it's like <laughs> when will these friends discover that they're working at cross purposes how will things right. go when the betrayal is coming <laughs> what's going to happen to this friendship will it end in betrayal and bloodshed <laughs> and this is my problem and this is this is why i hate these songs like yes they are catchy and they are fun and i love the dancing but the actual the songs lyrics, and mean. i realize that something's also being lost in translation yeah. here the lyrics Oh, you're right. It's like, one is water, one is fire. They are different. Did I mention they're different? Don't worry. And like, that's that's going to come up several times as well. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's going to come up several times. And it's, it's so on the nose. And it, it's almost even worse when it's not going over the montage, when it's them singing it. Because then they just start referring to themselves in third person and the situations around them. So, you know, while Beam is getting ostensibly crucified for a really 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 long time so we'll talk we'll circle back to that whole mel gibson influence because that's starting to make more sense to me he's just like i am dying this is sad what are you doing best friend and it's just like oh my god i can't <laughs> The, and it's totally a cultural thing, but one of the things with the, the music is sometimes the music is like just part of the world, just part of the scene, mm -hmm. but then like there's that yeah, uh, sure. song beam sings and ram is like later on he's like he turned all these people's hearts with the song he's like sometimes the song is like just background sometimes it is like in reality actually happening 
Right. One thing I will give the film is as hokey and ridiculous as the lyricism is, um, Greece, like, like there are other things that exist in Western culture yeah. that do the exact same thing, mm-hmm. and I'm just conditioned to them, so I don't find them as weird. So I think I have to be mindful of that as someone that is conditioned to Western cinema, that there are plenty of films out there. Disney films are built along the idea of stopping the scene to sing about what's happening in the scene. So like, I think the lyricism is hokey, but I think the idea of it is is not, nothing necessarily new. And you're reading a translation of the lyrics so exactly and that's why i think they're probably not as awkward as i think they are no no no. so (laughs) but i understand yeah like reading it on paper it's like oh this does seem really like hokey but then right yeah like i think if if actually like we understood the language it probably seem very like poetic and and you know all that Mm -hmm. i think so i i absolutely can see that uh, are there any other movies with character introductions this badass? Uh, there are quite a few character introductions in this movie. <laughs> it feels like it's been 30 years since I saw the beginning of this movie, so I can't quite remember how Rom and Beam are individually introduced. Rom is introduced by taking on a thousand, literally a thousand people with a stick. Oh, oh my God, I forgot about that. <laughs> and then yes. Beam wrestles a tiger. He, he is the police officer who, bruta- <laughs> who brutalizes an entire mob. Yes. Oh, he fights the he fights the population of India like he yes. <laughs> straight up like the entire uh, everybody within a 20 mile radius is hanging out here like at this protest. And he <laughs> one guy throws a rock and it smashes a picture and the, the captain or whatever is like, somebody get that guy. And so he goes out there and fights everybody like <laughs> and, and and like he doesn't go straight for the guy he like meanders a crazy path because one point he's up on a hill like it's just it goes on for such a long time that i almost so like long. i kind of lost the thread of what we were doing but i was like hmm <laughs> yes every once in a while you see the guy through the rock and his face is just like oh shit. and he's <laughs> the one guy he's, you know there's the through line to where he's like he's he's booking it toward this guy but it takes him so long to get there because as david's saying he fights thousands of people to do this yeah he's got like eight guys holding him at the same time it's kind of tough to make progress when that's happening and at one point he has they're all crushing down in on him and it cuts to like mm-hmm. him inside and he like collects his resolve and then like chucks all of them off of him <laughs> like it was nothing right you get a nice overhead shot of like one person after another being thrown from the pile yeah. when he's fighting his way out it's just wild. And like and like to me, there's a lot of fight scenes in this movie we can talk about. There's a lot of highly memorable fight scene moments. And, and I put this comment in here and, and I, I want to get to the root of it because it says, you know, there are times that I think it, they can be wildly dorky and like really uncool. And I can't tell if the filmmakers are self-aware of how uncool it might be when they're trying to make it look really cool. And then there's times when I think it's genuinely really, really cool. I think him fighting off this entire mob is really cool. I think the two of them fighting each other with literal fire and ice is absolutely dumb. Oh, like, oh, but I, there are some moments in this movie that are so beyond absurdity. Like when there is a 20, 15 minute fight scene in this movie where they just turn into like a two man centaur and and piggyback ride <laughs> through an army. 
And it's uh, insane. And like, if it happened in a Western movie, it would be a, like a Simon Pegg movie. And I can't help but laugh at it. And I don't know if I'm supposed to. I don't know if they're self-aware enough to realize how absurd it looks. Oh, they they are aware that reality does not work this way. No. But like the but yeah. the rule of cool rules there so much more than it does like in the like in a Marvel movie, if someone did that, it would be like straight up hundred percent comedic. Right. Here it's just like, what would be super awesome? What if he was carrying him and it's like uh, it's just like, yeah, I'm like, all right, I'm good. Let's go for it. And there's some really cool moments during it. Like the fact that like that like Rama has like two rifles that he can use to that, that he has to like hold back down so beam that can reload beam has for to, him yeah he has to yeah. yeah he has to pull the the bolts like there are moments that are really cool but then but just the spectacle of it is so absurd to me and i realize like again i'm not conditioned to this kind of cinema and this kind of action so it does seem a little hokey to me but then there's some moments that are truly unabashedly badass but i Sometimes it blurs a line for me. Sometimes I can't help but laugh at it a little bit. Oh, I laugh and I laugh in the way of like, yeah, well, yeah, like, like, yes, this is this is a, this is insanity, right? Well, yeah, like, I mean, that part at the end, I, I'm watching it. I'm like, wow, that's that's a lot. That's so much. <laughs> that is a lot. I watched that with Brian, and he's like pulling as he's starting to pull Rom out of his cell in the ground, you know, his solitary cell. You know, Brian's like he's broken his legs. It's got to throw him on his shoulders, right? And sure enough, <laughs> that's a hundred percent what he does. Him out of the ground, puts him on his shoulders, and goes running off. It's not just running either. Like people need to realize they climb up a tower in this position. <laughs> yeah. They uh, at one point they jump and Rom uses like a lamppost to swing himself, and they they land perfectly. Yeah. And they, like it's like this six legged amalgamation of like General Grievous climbing up the side well, of, a, of a of a tower. <laughs> I kind of wonder if they're trying to evoke, you know, Kali or Shiva with the four arms and wreaking death and destruction. Oh, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> oh, 100 percent. And and Western me was just like General Grievous. So, <laughs> Well, General Grievous famously based on Shiva. Right, right. Um, yeah. No, I, I think you're, you're, you're probably General Shivas. right there. Um, but yeah, but then but then for the second time in this movie, Beam defeats all odds and medicine and everything and is able to just heal broken legs because he slathers some paste on it and prays to a statue. It's forest lore. Yeah. You know, he's got well, he knows the the forest. He's in, he knows herbal medicine and stuff. Yeah, he does the same thing with the snake bite that's supposed right, to kill right. Rom within the hour and then he like pours something over some coal into his mouth and that's that, see that felt believable to me that i actually felt believable because i <laughs> yes, really 100 percent. i would believe that if you live in a small little village in the middle of nowhere and there's these snakes everywhere there might very well be some wild remedy that you know about locally that the british would never even think to know about i i can buy that it's the even though yes the execution is a little odd um <laughs> It's it's the fixing the broken legs you can't it's the deal fixing with. Fixing the broken legs and then him appearing as this glorious superhero who has now undergone an outfit change and well, that's, it's Lord Rama. He's he's yeah, supposed to be Lord right, Rama. Yeah. And that's how like statues of him are de- are depicted. Yeah. And yes. stuff like that. And and they are depicted with the bow and arrows. Yes. That's his oh. coolest moment, right? Like that's like full cool Rama is when he goes bow and arrow oh, on an absolutely. army. With the searchlight behind him, like yeah. a blaze of the sun, you know? <laughs> Rama, 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 Rama. 
and he brings up the arrow and it's like lighting his face. But I love that there's scenes after this where he is just like walking up to groups of people and he's still dressed like this. And presumably like at one point, yeah. like days later, I'm, I'm just like in my head, I'm like, this is how I dress now. This oh. is how I look. <laughs> they, they, they literally start that fight in the forest in the dead of night. And by the time they are going back to the palace to fling a flaming motorcycle through a window into a, into a building full of explosives. We'll talk about that in a moment. Um, it's daytime. <laughs> they, they have been at this for hours because literally one of them makes a comment. I think it's Rama where he's like, hey, maybe we should go hunt them better. <laughs> and, then, and then Beam's like, hell yeah. And then they go for the, they go for the uh, palace. Yeah, I think he says like, we, we need to stop dealing with these jackals and go after the lion. Right. So. Right. It's it's no. much, it's much cooler when they say it. Yeah. Um. And and, and David obviously put in our docket. You know, where should we store all of these explosives? How about every room in the mansion? Yeah. That because the, they show the so the they the, they aim this motorcycle perfectly into the. It's perfect. a very fortunate trajectory, yeah. and it goes into this building and like, oh, it's a room full of explosives. Okay, great, that blows up. But then it travels into another room, and that room is full of explosives. And they show like three rooms, but then like every room of this mansion is exploding as if it was filled with explosives. It's unbelievable. It's just amazing. Yeah, they well, and they don't even throw a flaming motorcycle. They set the the motorcycle on a trajectory, and then Rom hits it with a flaming arrow oh, yeah. and sets the motorcycle on fire as it's in the air. And that's after he used <laughs> grenade arrows. Oh yes, yeah. I don't arrows. think that would work. That would not but, work, you know, Adam. No, it, it looks cool. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> I was like, I don't care. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. So, well, let's talk about the villain from Last Crusade and how she becomes even more villainous. Holy cow, she's so evil. Oh, my God. Okay, so let's talk about... Okay, so first of all, leading into this, I think I should preface it with this. As much as I had fun with how over-the-top the action sequences are and how exceptionally well choreographed they are, even for someone like me that has this self-professed pretty... Uh, gore doesn't bother me like it used to because I'm I'm a little too much in that after so many TV shows and movies and stuff like that. This movie really bothered me. This movie has huh. body horror... That really is upsetting. Like, even little... Does it really? Oh, my God. Are you kidding? I don't think you see as much as you think you see. You literally see him snap dudes' necks by throwing them down a mountain, and then their neck snaps in half while their head hits a rock, and then the head, like, partly explodes. <laughs> there is a 20-minute torture scene where they go full Jesus on him. I don't remember seeing any exploding heads. No. And the, the whip thing, if you watch it carefully, you'll see, like, a blood trail oh. across his arm where the whip went across, but you don't actually see, like, wounds on him I, I mean even this movie literally opens with a british guy grabbing a giant tree branch and slamming a woman in the face with it yeah it's brutal but i don't know that i would call it body horror oh man i found this incredibly brutal to watch this whole movie there was there's a there's some it's a, absolutely i will agree there's a lot of brutal stuff yeah, in it you know yeah. the guy where, where rom uses three guys as padding to roll down the mountain safely to get that guy he's supposed to arrest you know, and you hear like crunching and splat, and, and maybe and maybe that's going. it. Maybe maybe it's so aggressively inferred. Like there is crunching of bones and snapping and necks turning ways they shouldn't, and there's so much of it. 
Yeah, see, I think it's because I've been watching The Boys this week. Yeah, I have too. Oh, <laughs> oh really? Because that, that, that surprises That's yeah. I was gonna say that surprises me then that this movie would like. Well, here's the thing: I just started The Boys, and I'm only on season one. Oh, I just finished season one a little. Yeah, I've been told by the time I hit two and three, this goes up like twenty times. It so gets I'm just wilder. bracing myself. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, I there was something that just distressing to me about the whole torture beam sequence because they capture beam and they torture him and like there's literally a moment where after they're done whipping him and he won't kneel for them they get out the queen whatever she is the lady of the house i don't know she the governor's gets, wife the governor's wife gets out like a braided nail whip thorn whip it's supposed to be like i mean i definitely felt it's a take on the cat of nine tails idea yeah, yeah, for sure. I don't know. I think of it more like the baseball bat full of nails, only it's a whip. <laughs> and and like there's one point where he wraps it around Beam's body and then just slowly pulls it back. Ugh. And then when they're done with all of that, they say, great. Now, also, why don't we try to basically quarter him and tie him to this massive marble block and lift him up so his body is lifting the entire weight of the block? It's horrendous. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, <sighs> it is. I, I know that uh I know that the, the British were remarkably brutal and horrific throughout their entire occupation of India for a myriad of reasons. But oh my gosh, I don't know if that type of public torture is was on the reg there, but if it was, good lord. I don't have the historical context to know whether that was far fetched or not. I don't know if it was on the reg doing something this extreme, but I would one hundred percent believe that this yeah, could ha- could have happened. I would it's it's a brutal scene. Yeah, but it's interesting. I felt like having the song in there kind of helps ameliorate it a little bit. Totally, totally. Because he's, you know, Beam is showing that his spirit is not broken by what's being done to his body. Yeah, and that's one of the second or third times in the movie that I think Beam or Ram is dead. Uh, Because I really did think they would kill one of them off at one point because there is... Like, I really did think Beam was going to die there, and that was going to be the martyr that causes the, you know, the revolution and causes Rom to see the, how far he's taken things, and he's reached a point he can't come back from. I, that's what I thought was going to happen there. But you'd be wrong. Just how I thought, like, Rom was going to die, like, three times. So, mm-hmm. people take hits in this movie they should not be able to take. I just want to call that out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It's an action movie in places, you know. Yeah. That's, that's going to happen. Right, because in these separate torture you know murder scene when they're trying to hang beam shortly thereafter fortunately they don't get around to it beam Mm. does not yet realize that rom is now here to save him because he's had this revelation and just smacks him upside the head with a tree trunk oh absolutely clocks him yeah (laughs) man so good right after rom saves him by shooting a bullet between the girl like flying low and beam flying over and he sandwiches the bullet like between to shoot the british guy (laughs) yes how did he how does he plan that yeah and and by the way so many shots where then it zooms in on the person's head and shows the bullet going like through their eyeball or something like that yeah yeah right on on through Uh, I do love that when everyone runs in this movie, it has to be in slow-mo and it has to be the Tom Cruise run where you like you use your hands like this for the audience. I'm like karate chopping. The oh, yeah. Air. Beam is N.T. Ramarao is very much doing the Tom Cruise run. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah. And it's always slow-mo whenever he like turns and makes the face and runs. 
Um, but let, let, the bromance, like we've talked a lot about uh, this bromance, bromance. The, between the two of them. Uh. And, you know, David, you mentioned the bromance is far more compelling than the romance. And we're not really properly introduced to the romance till the second half when we meet her as an adult. Yeah. Well, I was also thinking of like, I thought that Beam and Jenny were supposed to be like a thing because it seemed like they were trying to kind of like push that a bit. Uh, but then like by yeah. the end of the movie, that just entirely had fizzled away. Right. But yeah, like, I mean, it's the two of them are just like their friendship is just so fun. <laughs> They're just so into each other. And like the Motorcycle Diaries was a big uh, influence for this film. And I think that shows oh, in a number of ways. Oh, I haven't seen the Motorcycle Diaries, so I I don't know about that. But I yeah. really liked, you know, you will you will not find a you know happier advocate of finding gay representation in movies than me. But I really like that it's a very clearly platonic but loving relationship between the two men. Yeah, for sure. That, that that's that's exactly how I felt. You know, I remember rhapsizing how much I loved a movie highlighting that on this show when I brought, you know, Last Black Man in San Francisco. It was a really tender, amazing male friendship, which you don't see a lot in film. This is also that, but with a lot more. Definitely not in the U.S. very much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it, it is more compelling than the romance. The romance being what Seema and, and, and Ram, uh, I oh, guess, is the only other real romance in the movie. There's Jenny and Beam and there's Sita and Ram, Sita. but Sita okay, and Sita, Ram are yeah. separated until literally the last like minute of the movie. <laughs> yeah, I do love how to three billion people in India, he, he just stumbles upon her perfectly. Oh, there's wonderful coincidences all throughout this film. Uh, oh, so many, but that's okay. I'm willing to suspend that kind of disbelief. Um the party dance scene, David, take it away. Oh, it's the, I mean, it starts off. So Jenny and Beam meet and then like can't communicate, but she's like, come to this party at my house anyway. And so he shows up and. With Rom. With Rom. Because he's like, Rom, help. I don't know how girls work. You got to come with me. You know, yeah. Yeah. And also to be fair, Rom is essentially their translator. So. Yeah. Yes. And uh, so Jenny's trying to show Rom, Beam how to dance. And then this, another one of like a, you know, cartoonish, bad 80s bully. The guy who looks like a wet rat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shows up and he's like, you don't know how to dance. And then tries to intimidate him via, like, can you do the flamenco? Can you, like, he is, <laughs> he is, like, Beam is collapsed on the floor while this guy is dancing around him. And the, the audience is just watching. And then Ram starts up the Desi Notch, I believe it was. Do you know Desi Notch? What's Desi Notch? And what proceeds is in a sequence that somehow continues to top itself to nearly the very end. Uh, and it is fan- it is fantastic all the way through. I mean, I-, I could sit here and really break it down, but I know we have other stuff we have to talk about and we're running- already running out of time. But it's my favorite part of the whole movie, I think. It is the most intense dance I have ever seen in my life. It's so joyful. Oh, it's so, yeah, it's so joyful and intense, and it's just, it's so fun to watch. Yeah, 
And do you know what one of the most impressive things about it is mm. to me? There's parts where it is sped up. And if you look in the background, you can see that the characters that aren't dancing are moving a little bit too quickly and jittery because the film is sped up. But then there are other parts where it's quite the opposite. They're doing something truly remarkable and very, 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 very fast. And you look in the background of the people watching them and they're moving at a totally normal pace. Not all of it is sped up. They are literally just this fast and this choreographed and this talented. And it's just mind boggling. (laughs) It's the most impressive and compelling dance scene I've ever seen in a movie writ large. Uh, I haven't seen many Bollywood or Tollywood films, but writ large, it's just outstanding. It's amazing. Right. It's a wonderful dance number on its own. And then it turns into dance fight. Turns into a yes. dance battle with the English guys. It turns into West Side Story. <laughs> like, yes. Yeah. The whole party gets into it. And like everybody, everybody is dancing and and then collapsing and having the time of their lives. And it turns into like, we can't let these brown boys beat us. All the white men are like, yeah. no, don't let it happen. And then, uh, oh, and it's just, it's such a bizarre, <laughs> bizarre sequence that I love thoroughly. And then it's just rum and beam. And then they start looking at each other and they're like, oh, which one of us is going to stay up the longest. <laughs> and then, and then Rom <laughs> throws it. Rom's a true homie. He throws the dance battle for his bro. Yes. He's like, oh, crap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Get yourself a friend who will throw a multicultural dance battle in your favor <laughs> to get you the girl. Find that kind of friend. And then proceeds to give him a piggyback ride. That's I also wanted to talk about that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that is so cute. <laughs> I didn't really think about it until right now that both of them just end up third wheeling the other one. <laughs> like it starts off with Rom happily third wheeling with Jenny. And then by the end of the movie, Beam is happily third wheeling with Sita and Rom. Yeah. Yeah. I love in the flashback of their friendship. All the flashbacks are times where they have been on each other's shoulders or back in some way. Yes. <laughs> it's these very close <laughs> moments. Yes. Uh, so let, let's talk about the importance of sound, because we are talking about, like, for example, like the drum beat that kicks off that yeah. entire scene. I assume that's what you're talking about, Nicole, in that comment. Yeah, the dun 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 dun, dun, you know, because that comes back later. You know, you have this drumbeat. And then later on, when it's time to rescue Rom from his hole in the ground, and Beam's got to figure out which hole his friend is in, he hits the ground with that same rhythm, that dun 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 dun. dun, And immediately, Rom's like, what, what, what is that? And he hears it again. He's like, it must be Beam. Beam is here. Wouldn't it be easier in that scene for Beam just to wave his hand out of the Great. Yeah, it would <laughs> be a hundred times easier. <laughs> I was thinking about that for him to stick his hand out of the grate, but apparently he can't. He can't pull himself up quite far enough to stick his hand out of the grate. Himself. Yeah, yeah okay. I know. There. <laughs> <laughs> it was really cool, though. It's a great scene. Another instance of of inhuman strength when Beam literally pulls the entire Rips the you know, cast iron yeah. slash wood grate, you know, off this thing. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's like, wait, could you do that more quietly? Maybe they won't notice you as quickly if you while weren't screaming. yelling <laughs> at the top of your lungs while you get the, while you pull the door off. Yeah, Beam does not do conspicuous. No, he well, does not, not. No, do no, no, no. They never. Well, are you talking about? Well, we mentioned when Beam crashes into a party with a truck full of animals. Well, wait, 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 wait. wait. <laughs> let me let me just do the other sound thing first, right. and then we then we definitely need to get yes, to that. Yes, yes. But the importance of sound with the train sequence, with the train rescue, when 
Rama go- gets to the festival. He's chasing Lachu to try to find the hunter, the guy who's coming for the governor. Mm-hmm. So he's chasing Lachu down to try to find his friend, and he loses him. And so Rama's on the on the bridge, the train bridge, going, ah, you know, I lost him. He feels like he's lost his one lead, and he's really frustrated. And then Beam is worried about his friend nearly getting caught, and he's worried that he's never going to find Mali now. And as the emotions build, you hear the train sound getting louder and louder and louder, mirroring the rising emotions in the characters. Raju, you're going to get a lot of food. You're going to get a lot of food. And then, you know, it culminates in the whole train derailing spectacularly and improbably. And <laughs> one of the better CGI fires in this movie, I will yes. say. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, that's a great. Well, I'll I'll come back to it. But yeah. So but yeah, I mean, you can't you can't beat the animal truck it's seen yeah yeah <laughs> so the cgi zoo is what i like to yeah, call when this you watch now. this movie you will get to a point an hour and a half into this where you're like well this is clearly the end of the movie this is clearly the, yes. the build-up of this film has culminated and this is the final scene and you're like nope we're not we're not even halfway but yeah beam shows up and he's leaping off of this uh, well, they crash the truck through the gate. Yeah, they track the crush. He's leaping off it. And then slew it sideways. As all these animals are going by, and it is just incredible. And this to me, you know, you know, David, this is a larger discussion topic where you said, does the film justify its length? And and I somewhat jokingly put no, it, it does in some ways. And we can get to that. But like, I think to me, this movie probably could have ended with the CGI zoo onslaught. I feel like I would have been fulfilled if somewhere in that fight, Rom had realized that he was being a bad friend and, <laughs> and maybe we can save the little girl together and get out of here in the the really bad general gets mauled by a tiger. Like that would have been a cool ending to me. I would have yeah. been good. This is like an hour and 45 minutes in. I'd have been happy with that. But no, there is a lot more past that. And you're right, Nicole. You did put, you know, yes, you get the latter half of that. You get Raju's backstory and you need to get the happy ending, right? Right. Um, like there are little hints. For all the characters, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are little hints in the first half of the movie. But the first time I watched this movie, I honestly didn't realize that Rum was doing deep cover yeah. in the police force until the second half. Oh, I, I didn't pick I, up on it until they told us, to be honest. Yeah, I think the movie could have maybe done a little bit to give us something with that. Because this whole time I'm like, why is this guy betraying his like his own people in like such a... He's very career motivated. Right. Why is he beating the snot out of Lachu to try to get information out of yeah, him? Yeah, yeah. And like to have some sort of hint that he's on some sort of mission as well. 
I think would have been a little helpful in that first half. Yeah, if not at least in the very first scene when he finally winds up in that absolutely absurd armory. That <laughs> <laughs> it looks like a Harry Potter library, but it's just British guns. But it's guns, yeah. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Just wild. Like six floors of guns. But anyway, in any case, yeah, no, I, I do. Like, I'm joking, and I do think the movie's a little long for its own good. I do think there are, you know, the montage could be 10 minutes shorter. I have some issues with it. I think it could be a two-hour movie. But with that said, I don't feel like it's a wasted three hours because of how bonkers and entertaining it actually is. Even at its most gratuitous, it is highly entertaining. <laughs> so I'm willing to concede that, like, yes, it's three hours for a reasonably good reason, at least within their realm of what they want to do with it. Yeah, I think if it had been made here, the production company would have insisted it be made into two movies instead of one. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's very easily two movies like already. Like, you can split sure. this up into two. And I think there are scenes... Like the scene when Beam finds uh, Molly and she is terrified and begging is like very heartbreaking. Yeah. But that goes on for a while. Like there's just like some little cleanups, I think, that could have made this movie even at yeah. two and a half hours. I think it could have felt a lot tighter. Mm. But that's not to say like when the action sequences pop off. Yeah, don't cut those. I am 100. No, 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 no. Make them, make them longer somehow. <laughs> yeah, I could have watched another 10 minutes of the, the animal fight in the... <laughs> In front of the governor's mansion. Yeah. No, I actually think you hit it right on the head, David. It's like, for example, that is the perfect scene to call out because it's just 10 minutes of them talking back and forth and him hugging her. And then he walks away and then she pulls him back and he hugs her again. And it's just like, it's too much. Right. So I do think there are some of those elements that don't add a ton to the narrative of the story that could be cut down to, like you said, maybe it's a two and a half hour film. But they went big. <laughs> they went big in every way possible. And that included the runtime. Oh, my goodness, though. The first time I watched this, I watched this the first time by myself in my house. So I'm watching it and they hit the brakes on the truck. And a guy rolls over the side and opens the <laughs> the flap. And every animal of the forest comes leaping out of the truck. <laughs> With Beam yeah. in the middle with two torches because he knows that those animals would just as soon eat him as everybody else. And he's got to drive them off. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which they attempt to do. And they which I do actually appreciate a lot that they had the animals also try to turn on Beam. Yes. Yeah. They didn't make him the animal whisperer. Cause, yeah, because they're animals, right? But that truck bursts open and I burst out in the most delighted laughter oh yeah i was like giggling <laughs> in my house incredibly yeah. loud i think my neighbors thought something weird had happened <laughs> because i could see that being the kind of scene the theater cheers at absolutely if yeah. you look you can see like footage of theaters in india where people absolutely go berserk at that point in the movie they completely yeah. lose it but it is because it is and people in the U.S. have watched that and, like, stood up and clapped in the theater. It's unlike anything I've ever seen. Absolutely. And, and, I, can say that, and I can say that for a lot of parts of this movie, for better or for worse, even as gratuitous as it can be sometimes. I don't think I've quite ever seen a movie like like this. Yeah, yeah. And I also want to call out in, in regard to how big they went, I, I think the sets are truly outstanding uh that to me was the most impressive part of the movie even beyond the choreography and everything was just how well set dressed every setting is in this movie mm -hmm. they have these colossal sets with so many actors in so many different types of locales in india from desert locations to forest locations to highly urban areas where they're having these dramatic chases through streets and through markets and in palaces and 
yes, some of the special effects can look a little cheesy, but never does the set look like any expense wasn't spared. It is truly unbelievable. So I have to call out that because it's amazing to watch. This movie's popping with color and detail. Every cent of their budget is on screen and it totally pays off. Yeah. Yeah. And and the color saturation, the way they decided to master this film makes it just so eye popping at all times. Mm -hmm. Even in a scene like in the desert when Ram is in that lone police station before he has to defend it against an entire mob. Even that, which when made by a Western director, God, it would probably have that. What, what What is that proper name for it? That really stupid yellow tint that sepia? white people put on. Not sepia. No, like we've talked about this before. How, like, like when white people film deserts or film anywhere in the Middle East, they're like, great. It should probably look orange or Mexico. Right. It's the visual language. Yeah. You put you make it you make it all yellow. Yeah, it should probably look orange and yellow because that's totally how those places look. And this doesn't do that. Mm -hmm. It has really saturated colors, but they're vivid in all sorts of other ways, especially in the green forest and stuff, too. So I just wanted to call that out that this is the movie for your 4K television in many ways. And we got Mm -hmm. a lot of value out of it just with that. Absolutely. So um, and some shots are truly impressive in this movie. We've called out a great many. I don't know if there's any specifics that we want to call Uh, out. When Rom has all the fireworks exploding behind him. And then uh, Beam is standing in a destroyed fountain. Oh, my God. Yes. And he uses the tubing of the fountain to fight. And this is what I was talking about earlier about the ice and fire thing. So it's literally fire versus water. Yeah. And it's not the first time they do it either. They do it like five other times in the movie, the fire versus water thing. Like when he turns into Lord Rama and Beam is just missing for like five minutes of the action. He's sitting in the pond. And all of a sudden he (laughs) Yeah, he tosses he tosses a spear into the pond and Beam just emerges and the song is like, and the brother of water emerges. Yeah. And it's it's so intense. But it is great. Um, uh, holy anachronisms, Batman. Wait, 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 wait. I, Oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't yeah. Get, there were a couple other shots I wanted to... to okay, no. yeah, yeah, tell us, tell us. <laughs> so uh, the, the cool introduction shots. of Beam, you get the camera, like, flying over this stream upside down. Oh, yeah, And then yeah. it writes mm-hmm. itself as it approaches him, and Beam is pouring blood over his, <laughs> over his own head so he can be bait to catch the the predator animals in the forest. Yeah, this movie really wants you to see blood dripping into eyeballs. Yeah, there is a lot of blood times. dripping in eye- You're right. Because <laughs> yeah. that happens again later where it becomes tears, the blood in the eye. Yep. And then there's this the really spectacular shot uh, that I loved was as, you know, Ram is chasing Lachu toward the street festival. And as he gets to the festival on the riverbank, the camera pulls way back. 
So you see the festival, the riverbank, the train bridge, almost the opposite bank. So you get the entire scene. So you're like, okay, are, is everyone clear on where everything is in relation to each other in this set? Yeah. Okay, now let's zoom back in to get close up. It just oh, is yeah. a really efficient way to get you oriented just by zooming out on that one shot and then coming back in. Agreed. Totally agreed. Uh, so back back to anachronism. <laughs> yes. uh, take it away, David. Well, yeah. I mean, there's somebody had sunglasses on at some point, which was like, and they were like modern day, big round sunglasses. And then also just, just the look of Allison Duty. Catherine is the name of the character. Yeah, that's not how somebody would look in the 1920s. Let's just put it that way. Plastic? She's had a lot of work done. <laughs> I'll say it. <laughs> She's had some work done. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I do appreciate how well they do with 1920s vehicles. I love the tiny, you know, little two-seater cars all over the place. Yeah. And the motorcycle's period accurate. They actually had to yeah. rebuild one because they couldn't find one that ran well. That was from 1920. Wow. But yeah, yeah, there, there's there's a little bit of that. <laughs> we have a couple other topics, so we're going to speed through a couple of them so we can talk about some broader points where we close out. One is that, Nicole, you mentioned this earlier, that there's, there's setup and payoff for a number of different themes and ideas mm-hmm. in this movie. The expense of a bullet is probably my favorite. Yeah, it right. comes up several times. Right. Which it, which it needs to, because it comes up at the very beginning of the film, and then it comes up at the very end of the film. So they smartly also put it in the middle of the film. So within, right. within that you know three-hour time frame, it's like you're reminded a couple of times. But it is, yeah, it's a nice thing for it to come back in the whole you know yeah. load, aim, shoot thing. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, I really like how that comes back. It adds this extra... Uh, emotional core to the part in the middle where it's Rom's father yeah. telling the story. And so it's a flashback yep. within a flashback because you get Rom's father thinking back to a thing that happened to him and telling the villagers about it Yeah, and getting it from his perspective really underscores the pain of being a native of India at that time with the British rule where they didn't see you as people, Mm. you know, Mm -hmm. they didn't even see you as worth the cost of a bullet. Yeah. Right. And I really felt the emotional impact of that with it being repeated. And then the other, you know, the other setup and payoff, there's the, there's the exercising thing (laughs) exercising (laughs) during the friendship montage. And then it comes back at the end where they're doing, you know, shoulder ride, taking out the entire prison complex at the end of the barracks. And then there was this little thing that I, you know, I didn't catch the first time and you can't really catch it the first time, I think, because it goes by pretty quickly. There's something where Ram and Beam are eating with Beam's fake family. You know, the mother says, you know, hey, don't eat with your left hand. How many times I told you not to do that? You know, and Ram just looks at him sharply and then later, you find out that Rom's, in, in the flashback, you see Rom's little brother doing the same thing, reaching out to eat with his left hand. Yeah. And his mom smacking his hand. So Rom is looking at him sharply because it's reminding him of his little brother that he lost. So yeah. I was just like, oh, because he's like... It's his brother, you know, like his new brother. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We have to watch that kid die in slow uh, motion again. It's just like, oh my God, this movie. Watching the, 
after also watching his dad's fingers get blown off and you're like, oh, yeah, it's not that gory. Like, no, come on, guys. <laughs> no, the finger getting blown off is a little grisly. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so let's talk about as much as we can uh, the historical figures in current Indian political context. Okay. <laughs> so obviously, like broadly, you know, um, I think this movie does an excellent job of at least depicting, you know, some of these early revolutions of the 20th century that are going to, especially post-World War II, really unravel the colonialism of the British Empire, right? You know, there's this great scene at the end of the movie where when they kill Governor Scott finally oh. and his blood spatters all over the the sign they had on the wall that says, you know, the sun never sets on the English empire. I will say, I like that. That was a very striking image. Yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah, that was great. That was great. And this is, you know, what is going to keep happening to the English more and more historically over the next 20, 25, 30 years. Their aggressive colonialism is going to be continually halted by more of these revolutions. So that's really interesting. But But to be totally honest, and I'm hoping Nicole can help us here, I don't know a ton about some of the historical figures that are showcased in the finale of the movie in the end sequence and how they relate to the current Indian context. Right. This is why I went and did homework. (laughs) (laughs) I knew you would. That's why I didn't bother. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thank you. Uh, But Yeah. And the final ending number, which uh, in Hindi is called Shole Shole. showcases these eight different Indian revolutionaries and all of them did resist the British at one point or another in Indian history, although most of them are in the period of the 1920s. So in order, (laughs) in order, they are Subhash Chandra Bose. Uh, He's probably the most controversial figure because he made wartime alliances with Nazi Germany and Imperial Japan. Because the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yeah. You know, they were fighting against the British in World War II. Uh, he was an Indian nationalist. He was a one-time president of the Indian National Congress Party. Uh, he tried to build an Indian national army f- outside of the country from Indian POWs in Southeast Asia and the Africa Corps. Woof. Um, he died in a plane crash in Taiwan in 1945. Uh, the second person is Sardar Vallabhai Patel, who was committed to the national integration of the Indian states after independence. His ability to unify the country got him the nickname the Iron Man of India, which is why that comes up in the lyrics of there is an Iron Man in every lane and home. Oh, I was wondering about that in the song. That's who they're talking about. Gotcha. gotcha. Okay. He was the first deputy prime minister under Nehru. Uh, third person was Kitur Rani Chanama. It was Queen Chanama. She was an Indian queen of the princely state of Kitur. Uh, she led an armed resistance against the British East India Company in 1824. Then fourth was V.O. Chidabram Pili, Indian freedom fighter, one time head of the Indian National Congress. Uh, He founded the Swadeshi Steam Navigation Company to compete against the monopoly of the British India Steam Navigation Company. 
And he led a strike at a mill against harsh working conditions and gained a lot of concessions and went on to inspire a lot of others to establish labor unions throughout the country. Uh, fifth is Bhagat Singh, who is a Punjabi activist. After, actually, let me back up a little bit. There, remember at the beginning, the police station, they're supposedly holding Lala Lajpat Rai. That was a real person. He was a fighter for Indian independence. And during a protest, he was beaten so severely that he later died of complications from his injuries. So Bhagat Singh was a Punjabi activist who was trying to assassinate the British police superintendent in retaliation for Lajpat Rai's death. Uh, he accidentally shot a different officer and was eventually hanged. Uh, the prefix Shahid Azam was added to his name. Shahid means martyr. And this movie was incidentally released on Martyr's Day in oh. India. That's a holiday. Six was Tangturi Prakasam, first chief minister of the state of Andhra Pradesh, which is part of the Telugu-speaking area. Uh, it used to all be Andhra Pradesh, but it was fairly recently separated into two different like administrative states. Tangturi Prakasam was known as the Lion of Andhra for taking part in that same protest in which Lala Lajpat Rai died. Uh, seventh was Varma Pasash. Pajasi Raja, uh, he was a warrior, Hindu prince, fought the Kotiote War against the British East India Company, known as the Lion of Kerala. And then the eighth one was Chhatrapati Shivaji Maharaj. He carved out an independent kingdom from the Sultanate of Bhyapur, starting the Bharatha Empire. This was way back in the 1700s. He was a practitioner of religious tolerance, where he allowed, you know, the Muslim faith to be practiced, uh, as well as other religions other than Hinduism. He's known as the father of the Indian Navy. So all these eight different revolutionaries are honored because they represent different sections of India. And there's conspicuous absence from this list. I'm sure you noticed that there is no Gandhi mm -hmm. in this list, and there is no Nehru in this list. And yeah. that's because Rajmuli's dad, who was one of the writers, does not like them. Vijayendra Prasad, the story he tells is that there were 17 representative uh, spots in the Indian National Congress at the time when integration was happening, and they were getting ready to elect a prime minister. And they were all behind. Uh, Vallabhai Patel, because he was the one who helped unify the country. They thought he could best lead everybody together. And Gandhi established an 18th seat in Delhi and made Jawaharlal Nehru the head of that and pushed for Nehru to be the first prime minister of India, of the independent India. And that's what happened. Gotcha. Mm. And the writer Vijayendra Prasad kind of blames that on why Kashmir is still a disputed state, and they're still warring over it with Pakistan today. Interesting. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for the lesson. That learned quite a bit there. <laughs> woo, woo. Now, so. at the risk of instigating another lesson, I'll be a very helpful one. 
religious imagery in this movie. Okay. Um, any any final touches on that? We, we're over a little bit, but we've talked a little bit about how you know Bean's character is very in touch with his religion. And okay, well, first of all, the the historical figures, you know, they have a big disclaimer at the beginning saying this doesn't represent any real people or any real yeah. tribes in India, but. Komaram Beam and Aluri Sitaram Raju were real people and real revolutionaries in India. This is just a fictionalized part of their story. Uh, Komaram Beam was a Gond tribal leader who fought against the British-imposed Madras Forest Act. Okay. Yeah, the people in the forests cultivated them in uh, rotation, and they had a very specific way of doing so that conserved the forest as they cut other parts for timber. And the Madras Forest Act gave control of the forest and forestry to the state. And they devastated huge swaths of the forest. A lot of people starved because they couldn't grow their crops properly. So the Gondi tribe lost both income and food. So Beam became a revolutionary. And then Sitarama Raju was one of the leaders of the Rampa Rebellion of 1922. He actually did use a bow and arrow at first. Okay. In leading the rebellion, he raided police stations to obtain firearms. Uh, he was named the Hero of the Jungle for being one of the protesters against the Madras Forest Act. He did have a childhood love named Sita, but she died. And so he took on her name as part of his name. He used to be Aluri Ramaraju. And after she died, he called himself Aluri Sitaramaraju. His father was a photographer, not a soldier. But because Ramaraju was a cocky bastard, uh, he used to leave notes in the police stations, giving a specific oh. inventory of all the stuff he'd taken. Oh, um, man. So the British got real mad about that. And they actively hunted him for two years, and he was eventually captured and executed yeah. as a result of that. So that's that's the end of the historical stuff. Hold on. I need a sip of water <laughs> for a second before I get to the religious stuff. This is just Nicole's history lesson in the last 15 minutes of the show. That's yeah, fine. I felt I, – I'm sorry. I just – I really felt like context was needed for this. Sure. No, yeah. no, no. no it's, it's, it's it really is, yeah. This film is 100%, you know, the first time I watched, I knew none of this stuff. And I found it absolutely thoroughly enjoyable without the context to it. For sure. That definitely absolutely. is. But I thought it would be helpful and just kind of nice to fill it out a little bit. Okay, so yeah. religious symbolism. Lord Rama, his wife Sita, and Bhima are Hindu religious figures. So okay. Lord Rama's wife was named Sita, which is why when... Beam. When Beam's like, hey, who gave you that necklace thing? And he's like, oh, her name is Sita. And he's like, Ram and Sita. And he's all, you know, he's kind of excited about that. It's like, it's because this is, you know, the name of right. the religious figures. So Rama, Sita, and Bhima are Hindu religious figures. Rama is one of the incarnations of Vishnu, who is one of the three primary gods in Hinduism. But as an incarnation of Vishnu, he is a prince without supernatural powers. But he's considered to be the embodiment of chivalry and virtue. He's worshipped throughout India, but much more so in the north than the south. And Bhima is a deity whose two primary characteristics is that he has an immunity to venom and the strength of 10,000 elephants. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah, that tracks. So, which is yeah. why his character is, has this tremendous strength. So that's the the religious symbolism background. Yeah. And then I think they might have thrown in a little bit of the Shiva or Kali at the end. Interesting. So yeah. the 
other part is the current Indian political context. And I just want to state right here as a disclaimer that I have just scratched the surface here mm-hmm. that it would take probably days to talk about it right? Fully. <laughs> and mm-hmm. from all sides of all the issues. So I'm just going to say that at the moment, India is being strongly influenced by the Hindu right in a way that personally, I find very similar to white Christian nationalism here in our country. Mm. Um, so the Hindu right is promoting Hindutva, which is a concept that conflates national identity with religious and cultural identity. So the quote-unquote true Indians are the people who really take pride in partake in this Hinduness. And so by extension, those who don't embrace Hinduism aren't real, you know, true Indians or real patriots. Ah. Of the country, uh, and it's to the point where, like, some people claim Komaran Bhim is a Hindu, even though the Gondi tribe are primarily animist. You know, they believe that uh, all the living things and nature have spiritual essences of their own, you know, like the river and the rocks and the animals. Right. Yeah. So there was an outcry to some extent when the first trailer was released, because you see Komaran Bhim dressed as a Muslim. And there's no context for why he's dressed as a Muslim in the trailer. So there was this, he is not a Muslim, he's a Hindu, he's the, you know, and there was a lot of interesting okay. yelling about that. And it kind of highlights the tension between the Muslim community in India and the Hindu community in India that's going on right now. Interesting. Also, a, what comes up a lot in the movie is that green, white and red striped flag that has the writing on it. And what it says is Vande Mataram, Mm -hmm. which you also hear people say as sort of a rallying cry in the movie. And it's literally, it translates to praise to mother India or bow to mother India. And it's interesting comes from a poem that was written back, I think in the thirties and that got picked up as part of the nationalist and independence movement and some Muslims are uncomfortable with it because it, in the poem, it literally sees Mother India as a deity uh, that you praise and bow to rather than Allah. So that Interesting. Okay. there's some discomfort there. Um, so it can be seen as sacrilegious. Sure. So I also wanted to note uh, the three word flags, the ones that are white with the red writing on it you see it like at the end mm-hmm. it says mm-hmm. jal jungal zameen uh, it stands for water forest land and that was a slogan that was actually coined by the real Qumran beam in the 1930s as part of the independence movement mm-hmm. and i think i think that's pretty much it <laughs> and on that note we will wrap it up thank you nicole that is incredibly helpful and i think it's good the book end this with some good historical context particularly for folks like myself and david who have not immersed ourselves the last couple <laughs> of days with this film and this you know history so much homework uh but you know i i, I you know next week dirty dancing we're gonna take a hard ride on this i'm not not too hard i mean it's it's dancing it's power of song it's gonna fix everything so excited for dirty dancing next week but let's, let's go around the horns you can find everybody online uh david where are you at Davlas, D-A-V-L-U-Z, Twitter and Instagram. Find me there. And what about you, Nicole? I have a TikTok. 
TikTok account. I'm Other Nicole on TikTok. Yes. And you can see me, uh, first person perspective, fall down and crack my tailbone. Uh, <laughs> my latest. So fun times for me. You didn't mention what the TikTok account was. About. Oh, didn't I? It's other.nicole on TikTok. There we go. Okay. Find that. Definitely, definitely uh, smash that like button. Yeah, that's how TikTok works. Okay. Uh, very good. You can find me on Twitter at I am Brett Stewart. You can email the show. Hi, H-I at MGRpodcast.com. Was this show a fever dream if you decided <laughs> to listen and not watch the movie? And if you watch the movie, we'd love to hear from you. Again, hi, H-I at MGRpodcast.com. But that will Presuming do it. they didn't tune out half an hour ago. <laughs> yes, they definitely did. Uh, but that'll do it for myself, David and Nicole. We'll be back next week with You Did This To Us. It's going to be Dirty Dancing. Thank you.